I am Gregory Hallows, and you are listening to Preserve Halloween Podcast. So for this week's podcast, we have a special interview with Sarah Fry from Fry Farms. Uh, I want to apologize. I've been saying her name wrong. I've been saying Frey. I thought that's how it was uh, pronounced, but it's actually Sarah Fry. Um, Sarah Fry has been described by the New York Times as the pumpkin queen of America. She sells more pumpkins than any other producer in the United States. Her family business, Fry Farms, plants thousands of acres of fruits and vegetables in Florida, Georgia, Missouri, Arkansas, Illinois, Indiana, and West Virginia. With a mission to end food waste in the fresh produce industry, The family makes natural fruit products and beverages from imperfect or ugly fruit. Inspired by her humble beginnings and early life on the farm, she continues to create opportunities for those living and working in rural communities. Fry lives in southern Illinois and is raising her two sons on the same family farm where she grew up. I read her book, I bought it, and I read it all in one Sunday afternoon, and this was after I had already set up uh, the meeting to interview her, and as soon as I read the book, I was very, very excited that I uh, made the call and took the chance to try to get in touch with her and see about interviewing her. What does this have to do with Halloween, I guess, is the first question. Well, as being... uh, described as the pumpkin queen of America, that's, you know, right there is enough for me to to include her in the Halloween conversation because she produces more Halloween or more. She doesn't produce Halloween. Well, technically she produces more pumpkins uh, than any other producer in the United States. So for any time that you're going to carve your jack-o'-lantern, you probably odds are are going to be uh, carving one of her pumpkins, which is awesome. So, and after interviewing her, I know she, uh, she loves Halloween. I'm, I'm very uh, happy with the interview. I hope that you all get to check out her book. It is called The Growing Season. I'll put a link up uh, under the podcast itself so that you can check it out. Like I said, I bought it and I read it in one afternoon. I couldn't put it down. I wanted to find out what was going to happen next. So I'm, I'm very pleased with this way the conversation went. And I'm excited for you guys to learn more about her. And, you know, we didn't just talk about Halloween. Actually, we barely touched on the subject because there were so many things I wanted to ask her. But when you go to the the supermarket or Walmart or wherever you buy your pumpkin, it's crazy that odds are it's it's going to be one of hers. And that is a major accomplishment for someone who started her business while she was still a teenager. So she's a great role model. She is a great business, business person uh, model. So, um, you know, if, if you don't know who Sarah is, look her up and, and read about all the things she's done and, Uh, Hopefully, you will get some inspiration from her as I did. So here we go. Here's the interview. Thank you. And don't forget to always preserve Halloween. All right, you ready? I'm ready when you are. All right, so I bought your book, and I sat in my house and read it in the course of one afternoon. And the the biggest question I had was... um, 
I know that it sounded like that you weren't really comfortable writing it is kind of uh, one of those, I guess it's writing a book's hard thing anyway, but now that the book's out and it's getting, you know, good, good reviews, do you plan on writing anything else? Well, I think for me, Greg, the creative outlet moving forward is going to be in the uh, ABC television series. So I'm an executive producer on that project. The book was optioned for film. And I'll probably be on, whereas the growing season is concerned, you know, it will live on beyond the book um, in the form of the television series. And and that will be another creative outlet for me. And I'll be able to contribute to, you know, the the creative um i'll be in the the writer's room some although i won't be writing i will be providing a lot of the content for the television series so um and it's probably not the first book that i'll ever write i mean yes it was very difficult because i shared so much of my personal story and which was very hard for me Mm-hmm. And really scary, but I was also surrounded by a lot of people through the process that loved me and supported me and, you know, helped also guide and, and, and you know, sort of read along with the writing and said, you know, I would, I would take this out, I would leave this in, I would lean in more here, or, you know. So I had a lot of really, I had a, I had a lot of really good guidance along the way. Awesome. Yeah, that's actually one of the next questions I had was uh, the, the state of, you know, the television show. And I'm really excited with who is behind it because he has been one of my favorite actors and now producers for a really long time. So you're in great hands. Yeah. Danny Strong is incredibly, incredibly talented and just has really been a pleasure to work with. Danny was one of many producers that I met with and ultimately made the decision to put it in his hands. Um, and he has a great team, too. I, I mean, when I met with them in L.A., I was able to meet his uh, partner, Mandy Savabi, and she's really wonderful, and I knew that Mandy ultimately would, would get the project across the line. And, you know, for me, working with someone, and especially, you know, putting my story in the hands of someone um, it was one of those things where you, you wanted to make sure that, you know, there was a good fit. And I feel very, I feel very good about where we landed. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to see more when the time frame on that and when it's coming out, because it, it's based on the book. I mean, I, like I said, I consumed it in a few hours. Uh, I can't wait to see how they expand on that. Um, so speaking of books, I also have your For the Love of Pumpkins book. Yeah. Uh, after I read this, I went to look and see if you had done anything else, and I stumbled upon that. So I'm about to go through that. So after flipping through that, because it's primarily a, a picture, pictorial book, um, do you have any plans? Because I know you're always thinking ahead. You know, you did the, the Sama Juice and you know, the whole ugly fruit thing. Do you have any plans on ever doing like a Halloween specific product line, like marketing as Halloween specific? Yeah. So I actually, I've made a lot of products in my lifetime. I used to create these um, pumpkin tattoo kits. So instead of painting or carving your pumpkin, um, we made and had manufactured um, these really awesome little kits. So when my kids were little, 
instead of turning them loose with carving tools. That's yeah. why I created the pumpkin tattoos so that they could have fun with their pumpkins. And, you know, it was also something easy too. So, you know, if I, you know, as a busy mom, maybe I didn't have time to get all the paint out and go through the process. And we have so many pumpkins at our disposal. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted my kids to be able to do different things with pumpkins. So I created those tattoo kits. So I do love Halloween as one of my favorite holidays. And I'm always thinking creatively around what I can, you know, you know, what new creative products I can come up with for, for not just that holiday, really, really any holiday. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm a holiday person by nature. Um, And so much of our business is, is seasonally weighted around certain holidays, you know, watermelons to uh, the 4th of July, Memorial Day, all of the, really all of the summer holidays and, you know, pumpkins uh during fall season and and really everything that i've done has been in business has been geared toward holidays so you know it's only natural for me to think about products that coincide with various holidays that's cool awesome um now speaking of holidays you know from the book it didn't you know it seemed like as a kid you were you're always you know basically too busy to really uh celebrate much not even birthdays now that you know your family's grown, do you concentrate more on on having specific traditions for holidays? To you know, yeah, you know, I have actually been making Thanksgiving dinner since I was a, a you know a, a child virtually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Thanksgiving has always been the big holiday for for me, and then I talk about you know. In the book, I, I tell the story of leaving and, and going to Paris, actually, for Thanksgiving yeah, and my whole yeah. family going like, what? You're doing yeah. what? You're, <laughs> you're leaving at this really pumpkin-y time of the year? And, and But I would make everything. I mean, I would make the turkey. I would make the sides. I would make the whole entire meal for this huge family every year. And then... Um, you know, I, I just left one Thanksgiving and said, no, I'm going to go to France and I'm taking Will and Luke. And that's, you know, we're going to go do something um, really different, really special. But we do have a lot of holiday traditions. Birthdays are incredibly important. I've made sure that my boys um, always have, you know, really special and memorable birthdays and occasions. And, you know, there are a lot of things we always want for our kids, what we didn't have growing up. And, you know, I have, focus so much of my attention too on giving not just my children but all of my nieces and, and nieces and nephews you know that the, the types of experiences and the things that I didn't really have growing up and I would say a couple of or last year not not this past birthday because I spent this past birthday uh, in quarantine but yeah Last year, I actually went to Europe and, and celebrated my own birthday, and it was the first time that I really ever celebrated my birthday. I hadn't really ever done anything special for my birthday my entire life, and then, you know, I just, like, went over the top and, yeah. and, and celebrated it. So it's not that, you know, I'm not not doing things at this point in my life. Um not, I don't feel like I have anything to make up for, mm-hmm. but I'm just, I'm just living my life That's and I'm great. enjoying it. That's awesome. Um, so in your book, you, like me, I grew up uh, kind of in a, not, not so much small town, but I mean, that's where I live now. But a lot of what I could view television wise was based on, you know, 
the offerings at the time. And my family is from Georgia. So TBS was a big factor in my growing up. And I know that I read where you basically became a Cubs fan uh, because that's what was shown on television. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a WGN affiliate. Was, yeah. uh, so that was the uh, one television station that we got when I was a kid growing up. So we would watch, you know, WKRP reruns, MASH reruns. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. so those are those are kind of the television shows and then and then even though we're closer to St. Louis and Southern Illinois and this is kind of cards country down here because that's you know that's what we got on yeah. our one little television station I watched the Cubs and I became you know a huge Cubs fan and I used to sing along with Harry Carey and and also really my experiences you know with with cities going to chicago as a little girl with my dad i mean that was the city that i that i fell in love with when i you know got to get off the farm yeah now leading to that question my my follow up was uh, i know you were a big andre dawson fan or the book that's the book <laughs> when i was a little girl yeah i liked yeah. andre dawson would you is that you know is it is it somebody like when i was a kid i always had you know dreams of meeting some of these people that I grew up, uh, you know, seeing on television or whatever. And, you know, my actual day job, I, I do uh, live events. I put on uh, events with celebrities. So I've met a lot of the people I grew up with. Have you ever met or did you ever meet Andre Dawson? No, but I have friends that live down in Florida and he lives like, I don't know, like two, two streets over in this, in the same neighborhood. And it was funny. They, so they, they know him. And I remember finding out that he lived um, down the street for the first time. And I thought, well, isn't that, isn't that interesting? I wonder if I should just go over and knock on his door. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I don't, I don't really meeting, you know, celebrities or people or, you know, like that's not really, it's not really something that does it for me. Although, um, I think that, uh, he is quite a, quite a, quite a story, had quite a career. And I was certainly a fan when I was a little girl. That's awesome. Now this guy from your book would probably be a celebrity to me, but I would love to know more about Dr. Diesel. Oh, uh, you know, I was just a mechanic that had a, uh, a shop off of Interstate 57 and, and uh, had a repair business and got a lot of business from the interstate and the, you know, the, the Illinois State Police uh, down there in that county, I think he's like was on the border of Union County and they, they, they knew when people got in trouble, you know, Doc was the guy to call it. <laughs> at any, any time during the day. So, um, yeah, he's quite a character in the book and certainly helped me out of a bind when when we had to hide watermelons. It reminded me of a lot of, you know, people when I grow up, because it's one of those small town, who do you know, kind of situations. Sure. Who can help me out of this? Yeah. Uh, Oh, okay. Um, all right. I keep referencing the book because I like, like I said, it was, I re- just recently read it and it's so, it was, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever read a book that fast or just couldn't put it down, but. Oh, that's great. One of the questions I wanted to ask you when I found out I was going to interview was throughout your life, you've had quite a few nicknames. Which one is your favorite? Mm, my favorite nickname. Hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I don't, 
Yeah, it's they, they've been all good nicknames. I probably the one that I relate to most is Small Fry. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah nice. when I when I was in school, I was the I was the youngest of all of the these Fry kids, and that's awesome. Um, you know, yeah, probably Small Fry. That's great. Um, now, I did read uh, that you know you've been on you've been elected to you know a lot of representation as far as you know boards for business and things like that um do you have any aspirations politically because i think i read somewhere in an interview that you thought about you know representing the farmers politically i I was recruited to run for congress it was a decision ultimately um you know that that i that i i I made not not to run the timing wasn't wasn't uh, right, and um, I wouldn't rule out anything really in the, in the future. Mm-hmm. That's cool, um, and that's that's kind of the follow up to to what I wanted to ask you next is, you know, you've been, you know, running your business since you were a teenager. Um, do you have any plans as far as time frame of when? you know, you might want to do something else or is this something you foresee yourself doing until you just retire completely? Or, you know, is there any other, uh, I guess, work-related aspirations that something that you would like to try? Because, I mean, from what I read and, you know, it seems like you're not scared to try anything. Um, Is there something that you want to do or plan on doing after, you know, this is done, or do you just want to farm and, and keep building your business until it gets, uh, I guess, your kids take over? I, I don't know how you have it set up. So I don't feel like my personal identity is tied to one thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are so many different things that I could do. Yeah. And... I'm sort of in this mode right now where I know that I'm always going to be connected to agriculture. I know that this business will always, you know, it's, it's extraordinarily important to me. Um, But business is business and I could find myself in, and, you know, I could see myself in, in different roles and I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I'll probably continue to keep, creating and building and it doesn't necessarily matter and you know what field I'm doing that in and I'm sort of at this inflection point in my life where you know the world is my oyster and I I I feel very appreciative of that um but it doesn't matter what I go do my personal identity and how I view myself um will will never change and I I know that you know, when sometimes when people become CEOs of major corporations or they hold political office, you know, when they no longer hold those roles anymore, you know, there's a transition period where they they struggle with having, you know, lost either, you know, the power of the influence or, or whatever it may be. And I don't know that that's really necessarily true would be true for me. I, I witnessed that um, happening to people that I that I knew and worked with when I was you know, in my, in my mid twenties. And I remember recognizing that and thinking, I don't ever want to have to go through that. I want to be, I want to be 
free and I want to be able to do my own thing and I want to be able to be confident whether I'm doing everything or whether I'm doing nothing and never really feel that sense of loss when I move on from something and do something different. So it doesn't matter whether I'm in a state of, of calm uh-huh. in my life or whether I'm in a, whether I have a million things going on. I, I, I feel like the same person, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's, um, I'm one of those people that always has a bunch of things going on. Like, you know, this interview is for my Halloween, uh, society but I also have a bunch of other things in the fire because I'm one of those people that I don't like idle time I have to be busy right. all the time right. um and I just yeah it it's one of those sometimes people say well you know you're trying too many different things I'm like well when else am I going to do it if I don't do it now I might not ever right. so I try to stay busy and and um it's one of those things that I think I, I like the chaos as long as it's, I can kind of organize it or keep it under control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah. Um, and that's, I, that's, that was for me, the best part of the book was reading someone else's experiences with some of the things that um, I've not, you know, maybe not the exact same situation, but you know, kind of the uh do it until i guess i can't i'm trying to remember how you how you worded it i guess fake it till you make it kind of uh mentality um Mm -hmm. because a lot of times when you deal with people that you assume that you know just have everything under control they're no different than you they're just trying to make what's doing work the best they know how and they might not have all the answers, but as long as the uh, end result comes through, you know, it kind of doesn't really matter how you got there as long as you do what you said you were going to do. Um, but that that brings me to one of your stories that I think I found the most enjoyable, the Lowe's story of how you track down the person to talk to for Lowe's. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. With, with this Halloween uh project I'm doing, I spend probably the majority of my time researching and trying to track down people. And um, that's kind of how I, you know, was set up with this is I read an article about you and I was like, well, maybe I'll just contact them and see if they want to do an interview. I had no plan on really uh, what, what the situation would be other than it seemed like an interesting person. You seemed like an interesting person to talk to. So I said, well, hey, I'll just email her, email them and see what happens. And, you know, now here we are. But Well, I, ha- I have a motto about that, Greg, and it's people can't say yes if you don't ask. Exactly. And that, that's what I tell my kids. It's like the worst thing somebody can tell you is no. And how, how much does that hurt? It doesn't really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited because. I asked before I read the book and then I read the book and I was like, Oh, I'm so happy that I actually did this um, because it worked out great. Um, but I think the best part about the the low story for me was you kind of wrote the mentality of the way I think a lot of times is 
sometimes getting to the point of being on the verge of what you're wanting, like the pursuit of a goal sometimes is better than actually attaining it. Yes. Because you don't realize that's the work that you enjoy is getting to get to like, here I am. I found it. Yeah. It's the journey. Now what do I do? (laughs) So yeah. The journey. Yeah. The journey is, is most often the most fun and generally it's, it's the best part. And sometimes Uh, we have to remind ourselves to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing before you know it, it's over. Uh, And then you're like, well, now what? I guess we'll, I'll start a new journey. I guess for me personally, the, the way I would like to, I guess, end out the conversation. Um, I'm a dad of two daughters and your book is not something my oldest is quite ready to read yet, but I told her all about it after I read it. And I said, you're going to read this book in the next year or two. And I know that one of the reasons you wrote the book was for, I think her name was Olivia. That was, I think you told a story about, she asked you some questions and um, you never really thought about it. And then, you know, the book came out. But do you think your book would make her and other girls like her, I guess, not proud. Proud's not really the right word, but are you happy with the way it turned out with the goal of, of those girls that exist like Olivia and my two daughters, you know, there's always young girls looking for role models. Do you think that that helped you be as open and talk about a lot of the things that had to be very difficult? Do you think that that kind of made it easier for you to do it, knowing that there are girls out there who need to hear your story and they're, you know, looking for role models. And now, you know, now they have a vice president that they can look up to. Do you think that that made it easier for you to do? I think that's probably one of the most fulfilling um, or is the most fulfilling thing about writing the book is uh, when young women and, you know, young, young girls, teenage girls reach out and they talk about the different lessons that they drew from the book. So the book is not, it's not a, I don't tell anybody what to do and I don't give specific guidance, but um, you're really able to learn through the experiences that I have and that I share in the book and reading about those experiences. And that's been one of the most fulfilling things for me now is that when um, people reach out and they share what impact the growing season had on their life and how they maybe look at something differently or how they found courage because of the inspiration that they drew from the book. So I would say yes. And during the process of writing the book, that was the thing that I kept in mind. And that was the, you know, the mental image that I would draw up when I would share something very personal. Um, it was the the image of a young woman or a young girl reading the growing season. And that's the thing that sort of gave me the strength to, to continue on and then ultimately put my story out. And now I'm at this point where 
I get to reap the, the, you know, now it's the good stuff. Now it's the easy stuff, you know, when people, people reach out and say this impacted my life in this way and, and they share their pictures and their own stories and everybody has a story. And, and I like hearing about others and I like it when people, you know, share part of their story with me. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, it's obvious to me now that the reason for writing and sharing the growing season with the world um, was the right reason. That's perfect. I want to thank you for doing this. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Greg. I, I really appreciate you having me on and, and finding us and, you know, having the, having the courage to ask, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, like I said, you know, people can't say, say yes if you don't ask. And sometimes no just means not today. So I'm glad yeah. that we were able to, to have this time together. And I wish you all the best of luck and all of your future endeavors and, and, you know, stay in touch with our team. Oh, definitely. Thank you. Small fry, counting up how many, my, my. Just listen here to me.